Hello everyone, my name is Bill Bodkin, and welcome to the 20th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Of course, like I said, my name is Bill Bodkin, I am going to be your host this week, and uh, I am joined by a very tired, and justifiably so, as always, and always reluctant to be on this podcast, Al Manorino. Buddy, I see the beard's coming back, it's coming in nicely, the hair's about six feet high. You've yeah. had a day, pal. Yeah, this this just grew today. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even been over time. It's just today. Uh, well, thank you for the great intro. Um, I'm not reluctant to podcast. I started the podcast. I'm reluctant as the managing editor. That's Oh, yeah. You're reluctant yeah. as the managing editor, yes. Um, and you're reluctant what, what to you, be my what, friend, you know. What you, what you drinking, Bill? Well, I am drinking a, a very subdued version of what I drank last week, which was a uh, my fake White Claw, which is a Canada Dry Lemon Sparkling Lime Sparkling Seltzer Water with little Tito's. Uh, last nice. week, um, if I started going off the deep end, is because I remembered I only ate a bowl of cereal uh, for dinner that day, so I drank mm. my normal amount. It's just my normal food intake, not there. Um, yeah. We are joined this week by someone who has not been on the podcast for quite some time, one of our earliest guests. He's uh, he's one of the most metal people we know, one of the most positive people we know, one of our favorite writers on the site, Mr. Anthony Toto, who recently did a deep dive into the movie Eddie, starring Whoopi Goldberg, but more importantly, interviewed the great Hambino, Patrick Renna. From the Sandlot for the site, check it out. A great interview on thepoprate.com. Buddy, it's been too long. We have probably mentioned you every other week on this podcast. Uh, it, it, it's a true story we have. Um, how you doing, man? Guys, what an honor it is to be back on the show. Bill, I felt like you know you pointed towards the outfield and just like swung a home run. And I just happened to catch the ball out in like you know, the bleachers, the Yankee Stadium. I'm honored. Uh, what a cool intro! And that is correct, man. I, I spoke with a great Hambino and delved into the Sandlot. Took a trip to the Sandlot. Like who would have you know could not have ever imagined that ever becoming a reality back in the day, especially. Uh, we will be dipping into the Sandlot just a little bit, but we want. I want to take a, a, a moment here on uh, the socially distance to wish a happy fiftieth birthday to someone who is uh who will not be listening to this podcast but has been one of the most generous people to the site in terms of granting interviews mr kevin smith turned 50 um absolutely we have interviewed kevin smith i want to say four or five times there was definitely that Um, one he did in san diego with greg grunfeld uh grunberg grunberg Sorry. Yeah. Oh. I want four is four is safe. I think we've interviewed him for Comic Book Man like three times, yes. and then uh, for geeking out. Yes. Yeah. And then we we sort of kind of met him, and I have a signed Funko Pop on my podcasting desk when he was doing signings at the Secret Stash. Um. Yeah. So hey, Kevin Smith, thanks for always being really cool to us, and thanks for always you know making entertaining films about New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch, we glad we raise a glass to you, uh, the, Anthony. Toto's the reason I, the reason I started a podcast was Kevin. Was that news over Bruce? Yeah, the, my first podcast and podcasting in general, which has been a big part of my career last couple jobs, starting a couple podcasts, was because uh, Kevin started one, and it was even before I started listening to him. I was just like, "What is this?" And like, kind of figured out what people were doing, and uh, 
I saw that he had like 30 of them and he still does. And uh, I was like, well, I can get into this. I like talking with my friends. It's so funny that they're called podcasts uh, because it's just like still basing off like everyone has a, a uh, an iPod, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, good thing they weren't a, like a Zoom cast or something like that because that'd be really Oh, weird. man. That yeah. would have been fun. I almost bought a Zoom. I remember in college. You, you would. Well, I got an iPod instead. Good job. Engraved from my then girlfriend. Oh, uh-huh. I could beat you wow. though. I, you know it says I the Ayatollah of rock and roll on it. So that's pretty great. <laughs> I instead of the uh, the whole iPod versus Zoom, I bought one of the Dell uh, MP3 players that was like a brick. It was like, yep, yeah. It was literally a brick you could throw it against the wall and it would bounce back and hit you in the face my father-in-law has that one yeah and still listens to it on walks it holds like 25 songs great anthony what was your first portable music device besides you know you know my sony walkman well of course i mean outside of that but i mean mp3 that was uh that was the mecca of the path i pursued but i had i wasn't I got my first iPod towards like around like Christmas of five or the beginning of two thousand six, so it was a little bit late to the game. But quickly, between like Nick Picaro and I, we filled both our respective iPods up with probably about like forty gigs worth of music. I think we both had the sixty gig iPod. So like we had Spotify essentially before Spotify on our respective iPods. iPods were great. I had the iPod Nano. That girlfriend eventually became my wife. Um, and I remember listening to it in Hawaii when I was out in Hawaii and I would just listen to it on the plane, listen to it on, you know, I was like driving or like iPods are great, man. I, I still sort of miss it, but you know, the phones are great and we're going to be talking about Spotify a little bit too. Like we're totally just previewing everything we're going to be talking about on this podcast as Al sneezes and thankfully mutes himself. Um, uh, Al, what are you drinking tonight, pal? Oh, man. Uh, I was very excited about this. So uh, I've been going down the shore like every weekend uh, visiting family. And there's a brewery in Shipbottom, Shipbottom Brewery. Mm, and uh, spent many a day in Shipbottom. Exactly. And they've had a few releases uh, over the summer. And uh, this one is one of my favorites that they do every year. They do a, a freshly baked pie series. And this one is the Key Lime uh, Pie Sour Ale. Uh, which is my favorite style of beer, sours, and it's so good. It's so sweet. It's it's more sweet than tart than anything else. But um, Logan uh, Fowler would absolutely love this beer because he's a giant key lime pie lover. I do um, like a good key lime pie, but he's never going to listen to this podcast. So never going to listen. Never going to be on it. Doesn't matter. I know he begged me. Uh, what, I was at his, I was at by his drive by baby shower, and he's like, "Please, can I be on this podcast?" I'm like, "Are you going to listen to it?" Well, I'm backed up, and I'm like. So are we. Well, I didn't, get invited. I didn't even get invited to that, so cheers. Ah, cheers. Um, yeah, you didn't get invited to drop off a gift. Congrats. Um, but let's get into – Al, are you going to be writing this down or would you like me to write it down for you? Uh, no, I got it. Okay. Let's get into our first topic, which Anthony, uh, we talked about with uh, the great Hambino and going to the Sandlot. Let's get into our first topic. Seriously, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? 
This seriously, what the fuck uh, segment? We were recording this on August third uh, originally, and we will talk about this. It was going to be about the return of sports, uh, baseball, basketball, and hockey, all starting right now, and kind of um, some of the more wilder things we're seeing, like virtual crowds that pop into their into stadiums out of nowhere. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly, but. The big news dropping today, which I actually thought was a joke at first, and Al and I were talking about this in real time. We're like, we we have to talk about this on the pod, but we also have to make sure this is not something that gets like debunked immediately. It's that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is probably the busiest man alive, uh, took time from promoting his uh, Temerana tequila brand on his Instagram to uh, join forces with his uh, ex-wife and business partner, Danny Garcia, along with Jerry Cardinale's Redbird Capital, to purchase the XFL for $15 million. So yes, The Rock now owns the XFL, buying it from his former boss, Vince McMahon, for $15 million dollars now here's here multiple reasons why this is just wild first off is the rock the coolest person on the face of the planet my answer yes if you don't follow the rock on instagram first mistake it's wonderful um you will also wonder how much this guy eats it's ridiculous um secondly vince there is an article that came out earlier in july stating that vince mcmahon who owned the xfl made millions upon millions of dollars uh, during this time of and in the pandemic, almost like $100 million, I want to say. So for him to not want to keep the XFL for a fraction of the money he just made in this like uh, three to four month span is wild. The third thing that's wild, in my opinion, is the XFL will live again for the third time. So Anthony... Uh, first, I want to. Did you watch the XFL when it came back? Yeah. So in fact, I did was we, home on like a Saturday afternoon. No, we didn't. But I caught like the first game, which I want to say featured like the Washington DC. I don't even know the name of the team, but I only know it was the actually New York a pretty compelling game. Yeah, the New York Guardians. It might have been Washington DC against like the Dallas team. And I happened to put it on towards like the end of the third quarter, and I kept it on through like through the rest of the game. And it, it was a relatively well played, like highly executed, quality like football. And I'm not the biggest football fan. I think out of the three of us, it's like I'm probably I know how big, you know, both you and Al are huge football fans, play fantasy football. Like I never like go that far with it, but nonetheless, like it was professional quality and just bouncing off, you know this kind of like shocking revelation, you know, $15 million in the grand scheme of things. I mean, that's like a bargain price considering, I mean, average, I know for a fact, like the average like MBA where MLB salaries in that range in the $15 million range. I mean, Garrett right? Cole so, could have bought this for a fraction of what he, for maybe half of what he made this year is going to definitely. make the choice. I should say. Uh, yeah. I've read crazy. My, I'm sorry. No, no, you know, please. I've read different, you know, so going off, you know, the partnership between like The Rock and uh, I'm sorry, her name is uh, Danny Garcia. Is Danny Garcia. I mean, I read different like 
piece is just about like their approach to uh, the Seven Bucks Studio. Uh, I want to say like the Rolling Stone magazine, maybe like a year ago, had a great story about Danny Garcia, mm-hmm. and just in terms of how like she conducts herself, her vision, just for like at least the film side of like their portfolio, right? And we've seen like their track record between like The Rock and Danny Garcia within like the last fifteen years alone, especially like the two thousand tens. I feel like were defined by The Rock. Yeah, and bouncing off that point. I do expect that track record of success to translate and continue with football, considering that's like The Rock's true passion. Yeah. The thing that's crazy and has always blown my mind with The Rock is that he played for the University of Miami Dynasty, and he started over Warren Sapp. You know, like I, I mean, that's just like mind-boggling. And we're talking about like when the Hurricanes were truly like the when they were college, college football. football. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. I think inevitably, you know, also too, just in terms of like competition is always a good thing. There's so many like division two and division one college athletes that, I mean, are borderline pro athletes and just don't have that opportunity within the NFL. So I'm happy in this regard that, you know, if you spend your life committed to football and always have professional aspirations, at least if it's not within like the corporate hierarchy of the NFL, I mean, you have a, you know, I, I would equate it to almost like Michael Jordan to an extent, where like Michael Jordan was an athlete who purchased a team in Charlotte, right? We're talking about a former football athlete now, in this regard, <laughs> controlling and operating, I mean, the entire league. So he's even had success with his reality shows, like the, the Titan Games. Titan Games like anything done well, both, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it translates ballers you know, specifically a football driven like television property, one that was close to the heart, definitely a passionate performance by him throughout that show. It all makes sense on paper and, you know, post COVID we'll see what happens, you know, in terms of where they take the league. Al? I don't know. There's so many things like when, when you said that this morning, like my mind was just like, it's the already most, kind of it's the most 2020 thing I've heard. It's like totally. my mind was already fried at that point, oh, and when you did that, so I just my, like so mush, right? Like, so I have so many questions. Well, Ask well, me. let me start off with let me start off with the first thing. The first thing I saw something on Twitter that made me laugh. Someone said like, "Oh man, the new season of Ballers is going to be awesome." It literally is a storyline from Ballers that he from wanted Ballers, to yeah. buy a football team. And he did. Yeah. Oh, I think he did. I didn't. I never really watched yeah. Ballers. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. So that that's the first part of it. The second thing is like, so fifteen million dollars. Like you said, you know, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon did not have to sell this. Probably right. It's more of just like a. Uh, I tried again. It didn't work. Let me just sell to someone else who can do better. Fifteen million dollars. Like, what does that buy? Is that just by the name? Like, what does that buy? Because I, I feel like well, that's it, it, he buys a he, lot of money that's left on these different fields and all these players. Like, I don't understand well, so what $15 million buys you. It buys the right, the ownership of the league, and like much like the NFL, unlike the NFL, you know, you have buy into franchises. So uh, there are franchises, and they pay their teams and whatnot. So he's bought the rights to the XFL. Now, supposedly there are some creditors that are challenging this at the time, but I believe this will go through because, frankly, if you have money in the XFL... You have taken what is essentially one of the biggest movie stars in the world. You're now putting him as the face of the XFL. 
And let's face it, when the XFL came back, it was still a bit of a joke because the first go-around was so terrible. I mean, it was absolutely, as they would say in pro wrestling, the drizzling shits. It was really bad. And when it came back, it was almost this joke, and it was kind of making this comeback because the play, like Anthony said, the play was actually pretty good. You have guys who were signed to the NFL off their XFL play, like almost immediately. Uh, and you had ex-NFL players going there who were trying to make their comeback. And so you you had guys, You, I was watching those things, and I was like, like uh, I believe Eli Rogers, who was a, a wide receiver for the Steelers and the Colts, was playing there. I could be wrong on the name, but like he he was there and he he played really well, and then all of a sudden he got a contract. Like these guys, there's stakes, and there was a lot of innovation in the XFL that people were like, oh hey, you know this is actually pretty good. Like the replay and taking behind why their decisions were being made and certain things about kickoffs and um, like um, kind of like hedging the bets or hedging the uh, point scale on like extra points and stuff like that it was pretty cool. But it was still had the stink of Vince McMahon owns it. It's still the wrestling guy owns it. But now The Rock, who, yes, he was a pro wrestler, but I think he's kind of transcended that. He's become Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, someone I, I know, someone I can't take credit for this. Someone said, "Is he going to have everyone drink Tamarena tequila after uh, every after they win a game, or are they going to sing You're Welcome?" Um, after they win their their championship game, by the way, you're welcome. Just cracked one of the I think most played songs on Spotify. I think like top twenty five of all time or something like that, or top ten of all time. I'm responsible for most of the plays. No, you know who's responsible for most of the plays? The Rock, because his daughter demands he sing that song to her every single night, and he has to do it in the voice. So he has to play the song and then he sings it. So it's like, and you're probably a close second to The Rock. Yeah. You're a close second. It's Let's a great that. song. Oh, my God. It's a banger. I love it. It's and a pop. As the kids would say, that song fucks, guys. Um, but does. yeah, But, yeah, I love Moana. I tried convincing Sophie the other day to watch it. Um, but does – so I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Does The Rock being the owner and most famous person owning the XFL – do you think this will uh, change people's minds to watch it or change uh, perception of this? Does does he move the barometer for the XFL's legitimacy? So, Al, I'll start with you first. 100 million percent. He, he has, like, exceeded, like, any actor that I can think of. Like, he has become more than even a brand. I, I would even put him, like, a, on par with like a Beyonce. He is like a otherworldly. He's basically Maui. He actually became Maui in real life. <laughs> he became a demigod. He became a demigod. Like he really is. And he's, and he's, he's in everything. Like he I is, feel like we should stop the podcast and just do a Moana watch along right now. I, I would, I mean, down I mean, I that. would, do I, I, I watch that movie I, every day. Um, and it's great, but no, I, I truly think that, you know, he, he's going to bring to this league, what, what, like, I'm trying to think of what else, like, what other, like, entity has done this, but, like, it's, it's, it's unheard of, I think, because he's going to make, like, he's going to bring so many different fan bases to a sport that needs it, because guess what, 
the NFL's reputation right now is trash. Like, not great. Not only because of, like, COVID, but because of Black Lives Matter and just, like, just years of years of being, like, giant piles of crap, right? right. So you have The Rock, who everyone loves. You have something new, something exciting, which what the XFL was going to be, but again, the Vince McMahon and, like, kind of pro-Trump, pro-America, like, like you know, we stand for the flag. Like, that stink oh, yeah. surrounding yeah, I forgot it that was, was not totally. was not what totally. people... What, it, it's a subsection of what people cared about. The Rock is the general audience. Like, he's always been about... I want everyone to enjoy the things that I do, whatever I do. Like ballers is for everyone, and and Moana is for everyone, and Moana Jumanji. more than ballers is for everyone because ballers. No, is but ba- ballers is for all. Ba- ballers is for everyone who liked Entourage and that aspect of HBO because I'm going to basically make b- b- uh, Entourage again, right? So I'm just saying that he has this like he knows wide appeal and he's great at that. So I think he can bring that to and like showmanship i mean he's gonna just bring like a ton of showmanship and and he's gonna make it fun i think that's i think that's the most important thing i think he'll make the xfl fun with his stamp on it anthony what do you think man al just let me clap for everything Al just mentioned man excellent points all around you know i would be curious to see i think this is noteworthy in terms of player safety I mean, The Rock could totally run away with new measures, innovative technology, whether it comes to, like, helmets or padding. There are so many ways that you could swipe the rug underneath the NFL, right? We all know how they've handled, you know, in the past lawsuits and settling lawsuits with, like, the NFL Players Association and retired players who have, you know, whether it's CTE or dementia or, you know, injuries that just have completely compromised the quality of their life and, you know, and there's been a conversation, I think, for the last decade, especially just what is the future of football having, again, somebody like Danny Garcia as well, because I do think behind the scenes, I mean, she has been such definitely uh, man, like you talk about like having like an ace in your deck, especially for like the rock. Just in terms of completely reinventing football. I trust those two. There's not that many celebrities where just in, in general personalities, uh, and again, borderline like demigods, yeah, to uh, repeat what Al had mentioned before. But I would say this too with the television contracts, right? So the XFL had deals signed with ABC, ESPN, like the Walt Disney Company, and if I'm not mistaken, Fox. CBS. I think it was Fox. Fox. Okay. Uh, the the that it was the that was the uh, Alliance of American Football, which lasted like not even a full season. That had the CBS deal. You know what? I mean, do you expect other company to now? Like, I'm not sure if those contracts had been kind of uh, overruled or you know canceled prior to the bankruptcy, but I'm sure from a negotiation standpoint now, like the ball is actually like in the rocks corner just in terms of, you know, bringing in additional revenue, television revenue, all of the above. Like this is just a brilliant move on his part and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine if they, if the rocks like, all right, well we're going to strike up a deal with Hulu or Netflix and we're going to bring this live sports 
to streaming and it's the only place you can watch it, how many people are going to sign up for a rock-produced new sport while all the other sports are either ending or not starting up, right? So, like, that's genius. Or has, you know, he's already has a deal with HBO, probably. So, like, or his production company. Well, like, NBC, that would he be... also has a deal with NBC because that's where the title games are going to be. Yeah. Or are, yeah. I should say. They're airing oh, right yeah. now. So, he, again, the ball is in his court. He can do that. And, like, I think, again... In terms of innovation, he could do something like that. I don't. I don't understand why the streaming services haven't dived into that. Like Hulu does, like the Hulu like live or whatever. Prime like you can watch had some games for the NFL. Yeah. Some games. Some Thursday, NFL Thursday Thursdays. night football. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like that would be genius if if he brought it to like say Netflix or. Hulu or whatever. Peacock. It could go to fucking Peacock if we're, if we're talking to NBC. That's another driver for them, right? So it, you have to have someone who is like constantly like pushing the envelope and, and doing something different to, to, to resurrect this like this franchise. Like if you're going to compete with the NFL, just do whatever the fucking opposite they're doing because they're not That's doing it and right. it's not really even competition it's it's just an alternative to it and yeah what the, the the big thing about this version of the xfl as, as opposed to the original was you actually did have a fan base there were people who liked the xfl it's generally they genuinely enjoyed the product and i remember that first weekend they actually did a really big saturday afternoon rating i was watching that at my mom's house I remember that i was like it was like um, February, I want to say. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was the same game, I think. Yeah, we I watched think the same game I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and it, it was a good game. It did like a four rating on a Saturday, which is crazy. and like Or maybe a three, four. I, I can't remember. It was it was big for a Saturday afternoon, which is often just the doldrums outside when college football is done. Um, so they can draw ratings. And if The Rock brings that cachet, because... What Anthony mentioned too is even when The Rock, remember the last time wrestling was hot, like mainstream hot, he was the face of that along with Steve yeah. Austin. That was so, when I watched. Yeah, well, I mean, some of some of us never grew out of it, Al. Uh, yep. <laughs> and um, so it's so it's like he has that appeal, and he knows like like Anthony, like you guys were saying, he has great track records with. Paramount, which I believe did uh, the Jumanji movies, and Universal, which does the, which of course NBC's in there with the, you know the Fast and Furious and the Hobbs and Shaw movie and all the Hobbs movies. Like he has ins everywhere. Disney, I mean, he's a big face there too. So he can literally take this anywhere he wants. So the XFL just needs to worry about getting the right football minds back there, and just making it a fun alternative. And I think you could see the XFL lasting a long time. And if it doesn't, yeah, he will, he went, it was $15 million and I don't think it's going to be a black guy on the rock and his investment groups that they bought yeah. this. And if it goes away in two years, Hey, it was still fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It won't be the same gamble for the rock that it was for Vince McMahon initially, considering all the money that, Vince McMahon had invested right like two hundred million dollars initially. He still oh, bought multiple shares of WWE. The one which thing I he, want to mention which, too he, that, which he said he wasn't going to do. Well, no, he sold, he sold off the shares, but supposedly WWE did have a stake in it, which he said they wouldn't have. So allegedly, 
Yeah, no, um, for a comparison, Stan, like just for a comparison, uh, Ice Cube and LL Cool J both like own and operate the big three, and they've had a television contract with CBS. So, you know, in a way, like that's great also for The Rock because someone else has actually done it first. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, you know, the big three has been a success for yeah. CBS up until the pandemic. Like, yeah, and they got, they got legit guys players. playing that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like Joe Johnson, you know, he's he's a player in this area. He played for the Nets for a long time. Hawks, he played for yeah. the Suns and the Hawks. You know, through his uh, excellence in the big three, uh, he signed with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I want to say he played with the Pistons for most of the season. So, you know, again, I mean, it's been proven already. And not, you know, in a different way. Like, you know, the Ice Cube and LL Cool J have, you know, credibility and success and proven track records and they've also succeeded in multiple mediums so yeah man like we'll see maybe like cbs winds up being you know a catalyst in the future and you know it wouldn't surprise me too if maybe LL cool j and yeah ice cube somehow find their way to uh, partner with the rock we'll see hey man sky's the limit and uh you know, and, and the, the Rock's not going anywhere. He's not a fly by night. You know, you know, you probably ten years ago, if you said, "Hey, we'll see what happens with the Rock," you know, that would be justified. But now it's just like he's, he's it, man. He he's the Rock in more ways than one. You know, so he's he, he's 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 a he's a constant in Hollywood, and now he's a constant on TV in more ways than one. And he's gonna keep killing it. So good for him, man. Yeah. Hey, the Rock. Of, like, if you're Robert listening to this Patterson. podcast, come come talk to us. We'll we'll just talk about like uh, you know how you put peanut butter on your French toast. Ugh. Hey, I if you're I, that swole, yeah. man, you do whatever the hell you want. But also, I would try that. It's probably I, bad. I totally would. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, you know what? I, Bill, really you know what? I, because of that. Bill, completely off topic, but are we going to talk about how to... I grilled octopus on Saturday? Because I totally go into no. It. No, but you you would appreciate this pizza I had today. I went to uh, I went to um, Vault Brewing in Yardley, Pennsylvania. Vaguely know what uh, that is. Today, uh, on the way home, and uh, kind of like out of the way, but it was great. I had a duck and apple pizza. <sighs> wait, wait. Sounds so uh, good. Duck confit, candied bacon, um, apple, uh, honey. I want to say I don't remember what the the, uh, the the greens were, but like, come on, well, the greens it was still kill it. So good, so good. Oh man, I gotta make it now. Oh man, I do like a good duck. The only first time I ever had duck, like uh, I was at this place in Edison, New Jersey. It was like a, a buffet type place, and they gave us a plate of duck, and it was like they put it right in front of me, and it was like the face like fried right in front of me, and I was like. Ooh. I don't really want to eat this. It's kind of like something that's looking at me. But I ate it anyway, so I didn't eat the face. Just I ate like, the meat. It was so good. Just turn it around. I did. I did. That's like pretty the time I had like a rabbit uh, ragu on a New Year's Eve. It's pretty good. It was good, man. It's an Italian place. I can't. I'm sorry, guys. Move it on. No, I, I grew yeah, a lot last, this weekend. It was great. The last thing I'll mention about The Rock, uh, I, you know... I mean, well, within, please within, stop like, talking about eating weeks. weird shit, guys. Let's talk yeah. about the rock. <laughs> no, but he's about to become the face of Warner Brothers like studios with the Black Adam character, right? Yeah. And, like he's that's been greenlit, and I, I, like let's 
keep it real. Like, outside, like, Robert Pattinson, I mean, I would say, like, The Rock will be the face of that studio and, like, you know, their just DC kind of blueprint. Whatever happens, they announce. I imagine he's going to be the catalyst leading this next end of our... And if movies come back next year, I mean, you will have Jungle Cruise in 2021, which I don't know, guys. I don't know about you, but I want to see that movie. It looks fun as hell. (laughs) Eh, I'll see it. Yeah, I would. I, I would pay a couple bucks I've, to see that movie. I've been friends with a few skippers, so I'm like obligated to go check out the film. When it comes out, we so. should have had you on when we talked about Disney reopening a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, I listened to that podcast. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry about no, that. No, 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 Alicia and I just went I, off the No, no, no. But of course, I mean, I mean, I'm. We'll talk about it with sports. I'm concerned. <laughs> That's it. Oh. So, yeah. speaking of Disney, uh, which, yeah. which is relevant to all this, so sports did come back, so we're going to talk about this quickly, that the NBA is currently in their bubble, and that is happening at Disney. And now, Anthony, you would know better than either Al or I, where is this happening in Disney? Is this the ESPN area of Disney? Is this yes, the wild is. world of sports? Yes, it is. Yep. I did not then... think that was the name of it. I'm just like, is Al just talking out of his ass? But yeah, I guess that's what it's called. <laughs> You know what's funny? I guess before we go too in depth, quick story is that they've had practice scrimmages at the Coronado Springs Resort. And oddly enough, I've been in the same hall where they're hosting these scrimmages and these practices. I went there twice for two Disney like formals, right? So they have like this prom esque event for the cast members, like that intern for the college program. So not only have I been there for like a borderline prom twice, but I've also gone there for networking events. So it's like crazy. I'm like, I recognize the spot where like, you know, the I slow dance to Toronto wonderful practicing, And they're practicing basketball where we danced and had a good time. It's kind of wild, man. Were, were you ever dressed up like a character when you were a cast member? Technically, yes, because I worked in themed lens. That being said, I tried out, I, I fall into an awkward height. Let's just leave it at that. I'm five eleven. So you weren't. So, so you were goofy. Too tall. I'm either too tall for a few of the uh, requirements, where I'm not tall enough. Uh, so you, sk- you skated by. All right. Yeah. So we have the NBA in the Disney bubble. Hockey is back. They're in the bubble too. I just wa- I watched the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes play in Toronto. And of course, we have baseball, which can't get out of its own goddamn way. Um, uh, and, uh, if you watch the Yankees game on Fox and when Aaron judge crushed a home run, all of a sudden, no crowd, then there's a crowd out of nowhere in the stands going nuts for a home run. So Al, I mean, Al, I'll go to you first. Cause I know you watch the least amount of sports of the three of us. Have you watched any live, uh, basketball, hockey or baseball? Uh, since they've come back. And if you have, how, how's it feel? Oh, man, it feels so weird. I watched a little basketball at uh, at the bar, which was also a little weird. Um, which bar was that? The, uh, the balls? I was, I, was, uh, I was in point with, uh, with uh, a former, uh, I was going to say former guest because we, we murdered him. Uh, no, uh, Ryan DeMarco, a former guest on the pod. Patrick from um, Shits Creek. Patrick from Shits Creek. Uh, wait, which which bar is this? Because I worked there for ten years, so I need. To know. Uh, uh, I don't remember where we ended up going. It was some rooftop bar. Oh, like, so it was the boardwalk bar. It was on the boardwalk. 
It was on the boardwalk. So it was the boardwalk part. There you go. So watch a little basketball. Um, it was strange with the uh, with the fake fans. I thought that was it was odd, and it just looked weird. Um, I don't know. Was it wasn't wasn't feeling it? Baseball was strange too because I watched a couple clips, especially the the judge home run because oh. I mean it's it's basically porn. Um, <laughs> so, um, but that yeah that that's that second homer for me was just like like did he hit the moon? Where did it go? Uh, it was fantastic. The answer is yes, he did. Yeah, he did. But it was so weird seeing something like that because that like if that was at Yankee Stadium. The entire stadium would it would just you would just hear noise, right? Like noise, and and if you've ever been there live too, yeah, yeah. It, it's there's no better feeling than seeing that, right? And it was just a little different and a little weirder. Haven't watched the NHL, but I will say though, Bill, you, you mentioned that the NBA and the NHL are in their bubbles, right? Like the the, the NHL is basically playing all in Toronto. Uh. I feel like there's a Toronto nice. and Edmonton. Yeah, oh, so thank you. Yeah, because they could go the West Coast teams over there. Yeah, and Canada for they're, what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they just the announced uh, that they. Uh, I don't know if you might be bringing this point up, so I'll let you do it. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah, so the the NHL is playing in Canada, um, and then the the NBA is all in Orlando in this in this bubble, right? The MLB. Is uh you know uh, uh major league baseball or baseball is America's pastime? They also are acting like America in general of like how they're yeah. reacting to COVID. Definitely, like they're just like, eh, you know, it's out there. I guess they, we're not going to do anything about it. They let some and guys go to some from some team. What they confirmed, they went to a casino after one of the games. It's like, yeah. what are you yeah. doing? So the first team basically like the Marlins out was the Marlins, and now it's the Cardinals. It was the Marlins, then they stopped the Phillies because the Phillies played the oh, Marlins. Then it was the Cardinals and the Brewers. Yeah. Got it. So they're just picking – I mean, it's going to just be the Yankees soon who are going to win 60 games against the Red Sox. The Red Sox aren't but, too great this year. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, but it was it, – to me, it's super weird watching the game. Like, I, it, it's not weird for me. Like, I watched the opening game with the Yankees and the Nationals, and they had piped in a little, like, ambient. So I was like, that was fine, and like you, when you any ball that's hit, you're like, that's a home run, and it's like a grounder to first, and you're like, okay, I was wrong. Um, but like, yeah, the the crack of the bat, super cool, and I didn't mind it so much, but it was really weird. Like I said, with the Yankees game, where you'd be watching, you'd be looking at home plate from the pitcher's vantage point, and there's this tarped off um, backstop, and they would foul the ball off, then all of a sudden again. There's the literally. I think it's taken from MLB The Show 2020. Like I said, there's a uh, character created with a stout chest, a 38 year old rookie named Bill Bodkin, who's just crushing it right now for the Yankees, first base. Um, never in real life, but they're they're populating those crowds into Yankee Stadium at random times, and it's just Fox. It wasn't like if you watch Yes, they're not showing that. If you see the clip on Twitter, you're not showing that. So it's very weird, but there were also times that they were appropriately piping an audience noise for like booze. Like there's a Red Sox pitcher through like three times in a row to first base to check our, I think Tyler Wade. And it was like, boo. And I'm like, that's appropriate. But also I don't need this. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know the, the, the real audiences and the, the, the ambient, like the, the big, the realistic crowd noises don't do anything for me. Some ambient's fine. Uh, but MLB needs to get their shit together and just be like, okay, we're going to have four 
spots we're going to do. Everyone stays here and we'll ship people in and out and we'll be on top of stuff better because it feels like they were squabbling more on money for contracts than they were talking about health protocols. Uh, Anthony, what's your take on all, all of sports right now? Um, I mean, I know you got a lot of prom memories you want to talk about, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on all this? I'm concerned. In the long run, there's a part of me, you know, I've always been a sports fan. I, I would say out of like the four, like basketball is my favorite. But of course, I, you know, I root for, you know, all the New York teams throughout like the four sports. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, it does come down to both the uh, the teams and the players' association to agree, right? To you know resume their seasons and whatnot. But there's even a part of me that feels guilty. It's like you know what? When you see seven players in the Cardinals, regardless of how they contracted COVID, they still contracted COVID. These are athletes who maximize the limits of the human body, right? Peak physical condition, and they're getting hit left and right with COVID. And God forbid, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. develops like a long-term issue that compromises both their, their respiratory, like their lung capacity, there's long-term respiratory repercussions. To me, it's not worth it. I mean, I have to tell you the truth. Like even if, you know, with hospitalizations, you name it, like, is it worth it just so we could watch somebody like pitch a baseball and swing? Yeah. Really? Honestly, no, it's not. But again, it, it's, this is what the players association and this is what the, uh, you know, both like the commissioner and the owners of the respective franchises came to an agreement upon, right? So, you know, for example, I mean, we touched on it briefly with, you know, the NBA. I mean, think of like the efforts. It's been, it's been like a $150 million effort to like develop this bubble concept, right? And to like insulate the players. Yet at the same time, like Florida has completely, I mean, just nosedived with COVID in general. Yeah, I'm concerned for my friends. Orlando is my second home. I spent close to half my 20s. I'm 30. I spent half of my 20s living in Orlando. And just between a few of my friends who've had to report back to work, you know, I don't know what to say. With the NBA, I trust Adam Silver in terms of, like, his leadership. I even knew David Stern. I had met him close to like a handful of times i saw the way he conducted himself so i would think that adam silver having worked under david stern for as long as he did a lot of those same qualities rubbed off on adam from like just uh organizational conversational and just uh you know a, a sense of professionalism and compassion right and uh but how long can like even the nba withstand like what's happening within florida Central Florida, North Florida, South Florida, you name it. I mean, and we're talking about like the state government has skewed the numbers purposefully. I mean, it's not even like alleged. You know, there's reports that have shown, you know, the efforts they've taken to lie about the numbers. So that terrifies me. With the NHL, I mean, I would say the fact that they're based out of Edmonton and Toronto is actually a benefit. I, I, would, I think the national response in Canada definitely far exceeds what's happened thus far with the U.S. And they just so came up with a statement today saying that there have been there. They have like just tons of people up there for NHL, for the NHL, and they've had no positive tests at all. None. None. As of today, even. 
Yeah. But the thing that concerns me with hockey, too, probably out of all four, you could argue maybe with football. But in terms of, like, the exertion and, I mean, that you're winded after a minute on the ice. All the different – I mean, frequently there's always line changes, right, because you're just gassed from, like, the speed – you know, from the uh, speed limit of how you skate and oh, like, yeah. the physicality. So you're always huffing and puffing, right? It's it's such a demanding sport from a pulmonary standpoint. And are they requiring them to wear face shields? Because I know a lot of hockey helmets have face shields. They have them. I don't know. I still at the same time. There's just part of oh, me sure. considering having just watched hockey for as long as I have. There's nothing like a player who's been out there, like let's say for during a penalty kill. And you're, you're stuck out there and you're trying to kill the penalty. And just by the time you get back to the bench, you're gassed. Even with that shield, I feel like if you move it, there's just so many like factors that come yeah. into like play. And I guess I'll end up with football quickly. Dude, I don't know how that season. Baseball, let baseball be a forewarning for what will happen with football. Because baseball, to its benefit, was almost built for social distancing outside of the clubhouse. But when it comes to the play on a field, I mean, there is a safe distance typically between right. each position. So what's going to happen with football? Think about a running back between like the offensive line, defensive line. Oh, of course, you're you get a trying lot of to impacts. run through like ten bodies, and I, I think those masks too will have some sort of contraction that is meant to, you know, prevent. Yeah. Like ex- you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think the conclusion here is we've what we've watched sports and uh, it's weird and uh you know if you're if you're weirded out by this whole this whole time in sports and you just can't watch it that's cool man like don't ever feel bad about it it's like they've made this decision to come back but i still don't see how some of these seasons continue but um yeah that's Let's let's look look at the positives of what happened of the Rock by the XFL. Let's hope for good things. So that's totally. this week's seriously what the fuck. We're gonna move into now. We're gonna be cutting our music in a time of quarantine because we're gonna be talking about our next segment, which is music based, and that is a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy. So a slice of fried gold this week is going to be the announcement that uh, we all kind of know this already, that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is coming to PS4, I believe August 14th, uh, sorry, PS5, whatever, it's coming to PlayStation. It's it's going to, I think every, I think the, the all the main platforms, it's, it's just the remastered version of, of, Tony uh, Hawk of PS1 Pro, and 2. Uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2, and uh, a shout out to uh, Earshot Media's Mike Cabillos, uh, who uh uh, kind of like tipped us off to this at the time that the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 soundtrack is now on Spotify. Just look up Tony Hawk Pro Skater and it'll pop up. Created by Spotify. This is a very, very cool list of just like, you know, kind of just going through the the now and the then of Tony Hawk. Um, you know, you've got punk, you've got hip hop. You've got uh, some modern synth-based stuff. Uh, you've got some electronic in there, uh, some metal. Overall, it's very cool. Like, and if you're wondering some of the songs, like you get Tribe Cold Quest, Can I Kick It? You get um, stuff by New Jersey's own Screaming Females. You get stuff from Sublime. You get stuff from, you know, One World's Collide by Power Man 5000. Take it back to the 2000s. You know, you got... Mill and Colin, but you also got new stuff by like 
Machine Gun Kelly and Fiddler. And it's, to me, it's, it's, this is really cool. Like, like nostalgia bridge between the then and the, between the stuff when Tony Hawk first came out and bringing in some of the new stuff. I've listened to this thing from front to back. Uh, maybe a couple songs here and there I wasn't vibing with, but like overall, I think this is a really awesome soundtrack to be listening to when you're doing anything because it, it, in, it embodies so many genres, but it just makes so much sense within that Tony Hawk skateboard, or skateboard world. And I have never played the Tony Hawk skateboard games. I've seen the videos. I know. But like I've also, but I've enjoyed those soundtracks for years. I remember when Tony Hawk came out, I was like, I was early two thousands. I was in college. The soundtrack was amazing. So, Anthony, I'm gonna start with you. Your relationship to the Tony Hawk video games, and what did you think of this compilation that they're doing for uh, the new release? So, man, just going back, I was at that perfect age when you had guys like Tony Hawk, Bob Burnquist, and Annie McDonald, all these guys. Um, X Games Really, classics. like this. Yeah, right. Like the X Games. I was nine years old when Tony Hawk landed the 900. And I want to say that the first Tony Hawk Pro Skater only came out a few weeks before that, that happened, which only increased sales. Like, I mean, tripled, quadrupled, you name it. Like, dude, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, at least around like 99, 2000, 2001 was a huge part of the fabric between the friendship of Nick Percaro and I. Yeah, I have fond memories of going to Nick Percaro's house, especially. Nick loved that game. I love that game, but Nick was a diehard fan. Could land all the different combinations. You know, I mean, I, it was never like a competitive thing, but Nick was just incredible at that game, man. I used to like play next to him and think, my God, like, Nick is like pro level. And uh, so for me, between like the X games, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, even films like Brink, you know, even though it's like more uh, rollerblading, inline skating based. I just think that era of like the late 90s, early 2000s, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater embodies that era probably better than any other like medium or any title, film. I mean, I, just, I it transcends, you. it transcends the format. It brought a sense of realism. I mean, you know what, Al, for example, um, let's make a comic book comparison, right? Like, we're all huge fans of Todd McFarlane and, like, the way he drew Spider-Man, right? And just how he kind of redefined what the body could do within, like, the panels. That's what we were witnessing with, like, vert skating and street skating. And, like, the first Tony Hawk Pro Skater and the second, like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, because those were the ones I played. Three and four, I don't remember as well. I don't. I didn't own them. Like I played those at Nick's house, or I rented them from the video, like from the local video store. But the first two I had. Oh, Gamefly. Just, remember Gamefly. Gamefly. Uh, there used to be a great video store called Video Home, and you know I would pick up some. I would rent some games from them, and just anyway, you know the soundtrack had bands like Primus and Rage Against the Machine and Power Man Five Thousand, and you know specifically Suicidal Tendencies. You know, I was never, like, dude, like, I literally rode skateboards. I was never one who really pursued tricks. You know, when I rode my bike, I had a BMX bike, but I just kind of, like, did pop wheelies and, you know, jumped off ramps. I never was going for, you know, 180s or 360s or going to skate parks. Like, that's not what I did. But in a way, I vicariously lived through these athletes and those games, 
right? And I've always been like mesmerized by air, whether that's in basketball, whether that's in skateboarding, with these guys that define gravity. And that's what the Tony Hawk Pro Skater like sure. franchise early on truly like mesmerized all of us who played that game with the way it defined gravity, the realism, and even like yeah, some of it was a bit exaggerated to an extent, but you know, there's a lot of us that just don't possess that natural ability to be a world-class, you know, athlete in skateboarding with BMX and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, Dave Mira's Pro BMX. Like, those games completely defined two different sports and a generation, honestly, multiple generations, uh, Gen X, older millennials, like yeah, everything, it, everyone in between. We're, remember, we're like, all affected positively by those games. I don't, I don't know if this was on the podcast last week or not, Al, but, like, we were talking about, like, uh, Gleaming the Cube, with Cat and Cole, and uh, I think that might have been before we got on. And, you know, that was the 80s, so that was, like, that skateboard culture right there. Great movie, I haven't seen it. It's not great, but it's fun to watch. But, yeah, that, when you, when this was announced for, you know, that was being redone, like, there was a genuine, like, everyone was stoked. I mean, it was, this game is as intrinsic to sporting games, I'll put it in a big general category, as the Madden games and as MLB The Show and the 2K games. Like, that's right in there. That Those are iconic, like, the word iconic gets thrown around, but that's an iconic video game franchise, the Tony Hawk games, and this is a perfect time for it to come back. Um, now, Anthony, what did you think of the new, uh, this new soundtrack they put together? And give me your you one, know, give me your one song off that that you would recommend to people. Oh man, I know I'm, I mean, it's I, tough, but I got I got to get you to I'm one. Par, I mean, all right, I'm partial to Rage Against Machine, Gorilla Radio. I mean, just all oh, hell can't stop us now. While you're going for like a 720, I don't know if there's a better soundtrack or just uh, a set of lyrics that maybe complement the uh, aggression of vert skating and Psycho Vision by Suicidal Tendencies as well. By the way, like you can't be a professional skater you can't even be a skater if you don't listen to like suicidal tendencies man it's so ingrained into the skating culture so i was really glad to see that they of course it was obvious that they would be back but you know so many iconic like thrasher magazines have like different skaters with like the suicidal hat and it's just like this next generation generation even beyond generation z uh whatever you know who's ever the equivalent, I don't know what the next generation is called, but whoever seven, eight, nine that's getting to skateboarding, uh, they will probably feel the same effects that Al and I felt around 99, 2000, 2001. Uh, Al, I mean, your take on the, your take on the, uh, your history, I guess, with the franchise, and then, uh, you know, didn't tell us what your uh, top two songs off this was. You're still muted, buddy. This was my childhood. I mean, I loved, absolutely loved Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I remember sitting in my friend's house uh, trying to do a 900 but without doing it as the special. And I remember landing it for the first time. I was like, this is the best day of my life. And then I was like, wow, it does get better. Um, so so uh, I absolutely oh, and then, like years and a few years later, I remember after Tony Hawk One came out, I like wanted to be a skater boy and like actually try to like learn how to skate, and, and you said, wasn't see good you later, at it. Boy. But, and I said, "See you later, boy." Um, but I love those games so much, and I remember playing. I think I played up until 
like maybe Underground or Underground Two, which was like technically like Tony Hawk Five and Six, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those games; they were so much fun. Uh, the soundtrack was always the best part, um, and I actually really dug the music for video games. Like, and and um, Toto already mentioned Dave Muir. Remember, Toto, do you remember that the guys who made uh, Tony Hawk tried to make a BMX game? They made the uh, the Matt Hoffman one. Oh shit! I remember Dude, that. I play that too. That's a great game. I love that game. That's a great game. It's great because it was the easy mechanics of Tony Hawk. Like Dave, I remember Dave Muir being like a little more tough. I remember when fucking Skate came out, and I was like, "How do you play this? This is like real skateboarding. This is hard. <laughs> I can't do this." I remember just pressing like you know X a couple times and doing you know triple kickflips. Like that was the best. Uh, no, these the, these games were the best. The soundtrack was always so much fun, and uh, I, I I'm happy with most. Of the additions, I don't know why Machine Gun Kelly is on here, nah. and he should leave because like that was why, the one I'm just like mm, you didn't like, need you out of all the bands alive. and artists that you could have put on like Tribe Called Quest, Fantastic, Sublime Absolutely. makes sense. Like a lot Definitely. of these screaming females, like these make sense. Less than Jake, uh, for sure. Yeah, but like where's Blink? Like throw Blink in there and throw. I don't know, four years strong if you want to go a little more modern. Like, so can we give me like some cool, you know, like pop punk stuff and not Machine Gun Kelly? I think that would have been cool, but I can't complain because they got most of the soundtrack back. Uh, I'm just excited to just blast uh, Superman by Goldfinger over and oh, over and we over. We talked about over, the uh, so over, good over, song. over again. It's the it's such a fucking good song. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna get it. Um, for for Xbox when it comes out, and I'm gonna play the shit out of it. It's gonna be what's fun. funny about video games like stuff like Tony Hawk was I always remember this being transcended to like it didn't matter what type of music you liked, but because it was in Tony Hawk, like I knew people who were like huge hip hop heads who were like, "Yo, I love that song Public Enemy did with Anthrax." You know, it was just like I love this song, this pop yeah. punk song that I heard, or like this Bad Religion song. That normally they would not listen to, or there was like hip hop in there. You could see a lot of punk kids who were like, "I never listened to hip hop outside of the Tony Hawk game," but it just makes so much sense in this game. So that was the cool yeah. thing I always thought about these soundtracks. It just like kind of broke down a lot of musical barriers because people just were like, "I'm a punk person, I'm a hip hop person, or I'm this, or I'm that." Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to it, but in the context of the game, perfect, and then just like opens minds uh, to me. But it was. Okay, go ahead. But it was also sorry, but it was also an introduction to these to these bands. Oh like, yeah, like, so many. When Toto said like Gorilla Radio, like I fucking love that song and I love Rage Against the Machine because I heard that song in Tony Hawk and I feel like that's the one thing that people aren't going to get. And again, it, like this is a nostalgia cash grab at its finest, and it's going to be, it's working. Like obviously we're in, but like Tony Hawk has not been able to get you know, good reviews and, and, and the fan base back with new games. Cause they've tried to push the envelope with like different technologies and it didn't work. And they tried to make, you know, they try to go back to the classic style too. And it's just like, you can't compete with skate, like skate's in a superior game. So they're like, you know what, we're going to just remaster one and two, the games that people liked, and we're going to bring the same music back and we're going to get a ton of money because of it. And I get it, but like, what's the next game? that's going to do what Tony Hawk did for, for my generation. And like, I don't 
see that right now. Can Skate do it? Probably, but it's been like almost 10 years, I think, or over 10 years since the last Skate came out, and they just announced a new one. So, like, Tony Hawk was like, we're getting this bitch every year or two. Like that was great. And I, and like constantly updating that soundtrack for that, for that generation. Like, Hey, well, you like this band? Well, like now we're going to introduce you to this one and we're going to, you know, we're going to expand your musical taste. I don't know if there's going to be another game like that, that Tony Hawk was. You know, it's interesting. Maybe you could argue that the downfall of the franchise per se might've been that they try to emulate the Madden model where they were putting out a game every year yeah, where really I was. think they should go the Mortal I think they should go the Mortal Kombat route where you know that if a what NetherRealm studio they put out a game what like every four years. That's how I would go about it with Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise. And in in a way, I know like specifically again I'll mention Nick. I remember how disappointed he was with Tony Hawk Pro Skater five. And I know that there was just glitches in that game. Dare I say, like broken gameplay. And I'm not much of a gamer. I don't currently own like a current gen system. I'll sometimes play my brother's PS4, but at some of that, I would say that this is the perfect time. I mean, there's also this game is gonna like showcase, you know, modern vert skaters and street skaters who have like you know taken the sport in a new direction between social media and the X Games and you know, all around, I think, skateboarding. And this will benefit the like the entire economy of extreme sports at like the most opportune time. Yeah, the, the, the draw for those games that you were saying, like a, a Madden, is the updated rosters, is updated stuff, you know what I mean? It's, and you're always going to get updated mechanics and new things you're pushing here and there. I mean, some years there's not much of a difference. But... Yeah, I don't think you need a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater every year, every other year. You, you need to build that hype up, and look what, it, what look what it's done now. Yeah, you're remastering the old stuff, but it's like people are like salivating for this. So I mean, like it's a good move, and um, you know, there's also like stuff you know, with downloadable content too. I mean, look at Red Dead Revolver. I mean, God, that how many downloads like different missions you could play? You can now be a naturalist in one of their games. Like, there's all sorts of weird stuff you could do. So there's Different ways they can go, but that's definitely something um, I agree with you, Anthony, with the way they can release that. So that was a slice of fried gold for this week. So like I said, um, oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't pick my song that I loved out of this. I'm going to go with one that's not that uh, of a band I've heard the name, but I've never listened to them. And it's a band called Billy Talent, and the song was Afraid of Heights. I was like, super impressed with that song as a new song. Of course, I loved... Mill and Collins, No Cigar, I loved all the stuff I already know, but for a band I've heard the name a million times, I've seen it on Warped Tour posters, I never really listened to them hearing them for the first time, I'm like, wow, I want to dive into that catalog, and again that's the beauty of Tony Hawk soundtracks so now that we're at, we've uh, had our slice of fried gold and like I said, we're not going to be doing a lot of the music in the time of quarantine unless Anthony, you had a choice for us this week, did you have a, did you have a little nugget you just want to quickly uh, Recommend to the people. Yeah. So, one second. I'm just pulling. I don't want to forget the points I made. I wrote down some points. Um, Andy Toto is also the most prepared guest out of anyone we ever have. So, there's a band called Protest the Hero. Okay. They put out a record on June 18th called Palimpsest. This is a band I've been following since 2007. 
they put out a record back then called Fortress, which I consider a game changer. I would equate their sound to like a mix between Dream Theater and the Dillinger Escape Plan. Woof. So it's progressive, progressive virtue, like progressive virtuosity with like frenetic, like hardcore energy of points, just stunning time changes that leave you breathless. And this record came out like June 2020 will be reflected upon in history books for years to come. And this album is politically driven. And I, I honestly think if uh, you've been discussed about what's happening within like the fabric of the U.S. and they're a Canadian band, but it's a, like it's such a well-written album. I mean, dare I say it's like attending like a Harvard lecture, just in terms of like the lyrical content within itself. Just brilliantly, I mean, just some brilliant uh, topics they kind of dive into. Uh, everything from just political corruption to re-examining re-examining American history, uh, propaganda techniques. And this, the album does actually end off on an optimistic note, just in terms of like it's possible to overcome all this chaos that has taken place for decades, but especially within like the last like three months with the George Floyd murder and, and Breonna Taylor. And I just think not often in metal uh, specifically, do you get like a political album of this magnitude that is just one, I think is the band's best album by far. I think it's their master. Like they have great records front to back. They're always a band that kind of pushes their sound forward. A lot of people might recognize the name. Back in like 2013, they made headlines just everywhere from Rolling Stone to Pitchfork because they raised so much money for their Kickstarter. It was definitely like gotcha. uh, like a, a jaw dropping moment. Like they exceeded their budget. Like they wanted to initially raise sixty thousand dollars. They raised more than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars so that sent like shockwaves to the industry yeah that was actually the last time they put out a record and i'm also like having had health issues myself that i've had to overcome those are sometimes my favorite stories and the vocalist he uh had like vocal surgery in 2018 like his voice was in bad shape and they've had to like stop production of the album for for him to heal like he's made attempts to get back into the studio and record the album and just his voice wasn't there. So this album's also kind of like a triumph over like a huge hurdle that like held them back. And yeah, man, I just think if uh, even if you're not a metal fan, I challenge you to listen to it and just appreciate both like the virtuosity, but also the just the wealth of top notch like riding front to back every single song. It's it's a would I play it at a party? No, but you have a good set of headphones. You take like an hour walk. It's watch, listen to that album as the sun sets. Like I've done that a handful of times. I listen to this album once a week, almost every week since it's come out. And yeah, man, check it out. So it's Protest the Hero. What's the name of the record one more time? It's tough to pronounce. So that's why uh, Palimpsest. So P A L I M P S E S T. Wow, yeah. Palimpsest, yeah. So You're everything right. from front to back. The first song is called The Migrant Mother, and the last song is called Revet. Everything front to back. Just listen to the entire album. It'll take you on a journey. I promise it is worth your time. Goddamn Canadians. Always, always blowing our minds, man. 
Um, now we're going to get into the watch list, which is our uh, weekly recommendation for shows or movies that we've seen that we think uh, you should be checking out. I'm going to start it off this week. Um, last week, I kind of stumbled through a recommendation of NBC's Hannibal. Uh, if you have not seen that, I believe it's all on Netflix or Hulu right now. It's a fantastical show. And I say, yes, I did mean fantastical because the, vis- the, the uh, visuals are absolutely insane. If you've ever seen the first season of American Gods, which I think more people watch that than Hannibal. Uh, same producer, Brian Fuller, same showrunner, I should say. And um, it's just a wonderfully violent and complex mystery that it will just suck you in. Uh, however, that's not my recommendation. I just wanted to verbalize that, I guess, a little more clearly, soberly. Um, but I wanted to recommend uh, something I may have recommended on this podcast before, Al, you might remember, um, is uh, the movie Dr. Sleep. So Dr. Sleep came out in 2019 and is a sequel to The Shining. And Stephen King did write the original book and it was adapted. It came out last year starring Ewan McGregor as a grown-up Danny Torrance, who was the son of Jack Nicholson in The Shining, and how he's kind of grown up and had to deal with this um, his whole life of having this gift and he has not dealt with it very well until he runs away to Maine to try and, uh, which where most Stephen King properties take place, and uh, try and reclaim his life. But there are these people who like to steal The Shining from people like Danny and consume it, and they're led by Rose the Hat, uh, who was played by Rebecca Ferguson, who was in the last two Mission Impossible films. She was a wonderful performance, not only just Mission Impossible, but excellent Dr. Sleep. And uh, there's this young girl named Abra who is like this, like, child prodigy that Danny never was. Like, her powers are insane and, uh, and, and immense. And he has to protect her from Rose the Hat and uh, eventually may have to fight his own demons by going back to, will he go back to the Overlook to, uh, to combat his past. It's... It came out last November. It did not do great box office, but I can tell you that this film is... Don't worry about box office. This film right now is streaming on HBO Max. Um, it's on. It's playing on HBO now. It might be on Netflix as well. Um, this is a... It's probably about two and a half hours, and it is so engrossing. Ewan McGregor is excellent as always. Like I said, Rebecca Ferguson is great. Um... Definitely check this movie out if you like The Shining, if you like uh, suspenseful horror. Um, yeah, this is, and if you like Stephen King, this is actually uh, written and directed by Mike Flanagan, who did uh, House uh, Haunting of Hill House, the Netflix series that was huge a few years ago. So this is, I think, um, probably one of the best movies I saw last year. Definitely check it out. It's It's not like... If you don't like horror, this is a movie you can still totally get into because it has like elements of fantasy to it. Not like high fantasy, but like low-level low fantasy. Uh, it's just super good. Definitely check out Doctor Sleep streaming right now on HBO Max. Um, Al, uh, what do you got for us this week? Oh, man. Did you see, did either have... of you see Doctor Sleep? I, I mean, no, most people no, didn't. It's... It is on my list for sure. I mean, I think I think you're not a big horror guy, but I will check it out. I love some like crazy horror. It's like Sixth Sense, but more of an R-rated Sixth Sense horror, I guess. I'll check it out, Uh, but it is definitely on my list. I I was looking forward to the trailers; look really great. Yeah, Um, I have been binging uh, the Umbrella Academy season two. 
it is uh, what I've, I've I've said probably on this podcast a couple times. It is my I would say it is the best show on Netflix. Uh, people can argue that with Alicia. Yeah, people can argue and, and provide facts and and tell me that it's not. But um, I think it is super groundbreaking. Uh, unlike anything else that's on television, it's adapted by the Dark Horse graphic novel which is written by My Chemical Romance's Gerard Way and uh, art by Gabrielle Ba. Um, it is the story of um, six um, former superheroes. They were like a superhero family, six adopted children. Um, with a, uh, They're very dysfunctional. They've had, they had a very shitty childhood. Um, and basically they're uh, reunited um, – against their will basically to uh, stop the end of the world and uh, season two picks up right where season one left off and is basically season one all over again but uh in a different time and place um and that's all all i will say um it is so much fun um it's great casting and um the soundtrack if you want to talk soundtracks uh, Mm. mr toto you're going to love love the soundtrack of Umbrella Academy, uh, one and two. Very, very good stuff. And then uh, that's about it. Uh, I'm, I'm nearly done. Very excited to finish it, but also sad to see it go because i got to wait for more. And, of course, it's a Netflix show, so we'll only probably get like three or four seasons out of it, which mm. is depressing. My wife but, actually uh, started watching the first season without me. All of a sudden I, I oh. heard machine guns going off and I like because I thought <laughs> she was watching Unsolved Mysteries. And I walked in because I was talking to some friends on Skype. And I was like, what, what are you watching? And she's like, I'm watching Umbrella Academy. I'm like, dude, I've been asking you for a year to watch this. And she's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really good. We should watch it. I'm like, well, yeah, you now I can watch it. This yeah, is what yeah. happens when you get married. Anthony, right. what do you got for us? All right, guys, keeping it in theme with sports and Canada. On Netflix, oh I God. recommend The Carter Effect. It's an hour-long documentary that pretty much captures what Vince Carter meant to Canada. So Vince Carter recently retired, uh, played 22 years in the NBA, and uh, again, kind of harkening back to the late 90s, early 2000s, there's definitely parallels between like what Vince Carter was accomplishing on the basketball court and what like Tony Hawk and Bob Bernquist and... Uh, you know, Bucky Lassick and those guys were accomplishing on vert. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, a magical time to be, like, a kid and watch these guys, again, define gravity. And it's actually, this the Carter effect is produced by LeBron James, Maverick Carter, and Drake. And Of course Drake produced it. Yeah. <laughs> of course and he did. Crazy enough, it only came out, like, a year and a half before they won the title, the Raptors. So that's the only thing I'm was like, yeah, on I wish it came out. Was he the championship team? No, unfortunately, unfortunately not. I wish he was. I wish they would have traded for him. He's been a great. So what he's done, man, like he uh, he's been with the Atlanta Hawks for a few seasons now, and he's just been like the ultimate mentor. And he's he was still a starter, yeah. playing starter minutes at the age of forty three. I mean, think about that, man. That I think maybe the most noteworthy accomplishment of his career might be the fact that in his late thirties and early forties, he played starters like starter minutes in the NBA. And an NBA that's transitioned to, you know, just more running gun, nonetheless. Yeah. And, uh, and just, again, for what he meant, you know, he was with the Nets for a period of time. I think he also brought, like, a sense of excitement. And there were a few, like, really fun seasons where it was both, like, him and Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson. They made 
you know, they won about 50, anywhere between like 50 to 55 games, made the playoffs each season, each season. So there was definitely like cool moments in terms of like the Jersey component. But besides like Vince Carter, just putting the Toronto Raptors on the map, it dives into just basketball and Canadian culture. So like all of a sudden, like basketball hoops appearing at different playgrounds, at, you know, in different driveways, even how like Vince had a, an immense impact on like Toronto nightlife. It's just, a, it, it's only an hour. Sneaker That's culture, cool. you name it. Dude, you could, they say in the documentary that not even like Air Jordans would sell in Canada. So think about that. Like you could, you could have honestly like just driven across the border and like gotten them like a discounted price back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. But Vince, like what he brought to like Toronto and just Canada in general, just completely changed like the sneaker game in that country. It's fascinating. Didn't Definitely Richard is. Jefferson also play a long ass time too? He did. I, he played up until like a couple seasons ago. He he won a title with the Cavaliers in 2016. But it's funny. It's like Vince Carter was like, like when you think of guys his age, remember like Grant Hill was playing and I couldn't even believe it. He was playing on the Suns, I want to say, but he was a backup. He was a bench guy. Like you look at those older guys, they were always like deep bench guys. But Vince Carter, he was he was starting everywhere he went. He was that good. Or if he wasn't starting, he was like the sixth man, you know. Totally. All right, man. So, yeah, the Carter yeah. effect, which is now it's streaming on Netflix, you said. Yeah, it's been on there for a while, and I, I don't see why. It would, I haven't seen that it's being taken off. Drake is going protect, to pr- protect that at all costs. Well, we're now going to roll into the home stretch here. We're going to go back to Anthony's Disney roots for a second, and we're going to talk about our glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope! Oh, boy, oh, boy. Our glimmer of hope uh, came... Uh, I want to say late last week, uh, if not early, uh, yeah, late last week, that Pixar um, announced their new, their next original film. It's called Luca. Um, it's coming of age uh, adventure set in Italy. It will release in U.S. theaters um, in theory in 2021. Um, and Enrico Casarosa, who directed the uh, Pixar short film La Luna, which uh, ran before. Um, Brave in 2011 is uh, directing, and I believe he may have wrote that. Um, the only thing we've seen of this is a picture of two young men, uh, or two characters, I should say, jumping off a cliff in Tuscany, Italy, and diving into the water. Um, now, Pixar has had like an odd little run recently. We've had a lot of sequels with The Incredibles. Uh, Soul right now is kind of in limbo. Maybe it's coming out next year. Maybe it's coming out this year. Maybe it's coming out next year. Onward also had a, a weird time at the box office just due to COVID. Also got sort of semi good, you know, response. But let, like, let's. What are you guys, uh, you know, thoughts on Anthony? I'm gonna start with you first. That be your thought about this? You know, being you, you guys are both Italian. Um, I am the farthest thing from Italian. Is uh, you know this film coming out just from the image you saw and some of the you know the people behind it? What what's your thoughts on this? And uh, just and then to complicate, does Pixar still have that same cachet, or is that just taking a little bit of a, a ding over these past few years? That's let's, an interesting question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's start. Let's start with your thoughts on uh, Luca first. I, I mean, I guess Al and I have to be 
supportive <laughs> from like a lineage standpoint. You know, in my case, as far as I'm concerned, I've never done a 23andMe test. So as far as I know, I'm full Italian for the time being. And uh, all that being said, I mean, it does sound somewhat of like a modern incarnation of Pinocchio to an extent. Okay. I see some parallels in the description. Obviously, different plot line. I just see some similarities. And, yeah. you know, you brought up a good point. I mean, just in general, I, I feel like maybe outside of Marvel, which is like the Walt Disney Studio. And you know, even though they've had like box office hits with like the Lion King and Aladdin and whatnot, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think everything's been a little like Star Wars, like the Rise of Skywalker, right? There was, mm-hmm. it was hot and cold, depending on whatever. I would like to think that Pixar is still the pillar of the Walt Disney like portfolio. That in terms of like the quality that we associate with Disney, and like in terms of just redefining the limits of the fantasy concept, Pixar, in my opinion, ever since the first Toy Story has embodied those principles for you know kind of the groundwork that was established by Walt Disney himself, and so. When it comes to Pixar, more often than not, if I was a gambler, I would say the odds are in the studio's favor to put out another compelling, heart like heart throttling, like heart throttling, tear jerking masterpiece. And hey, like we're used to a lot of you know explosions and eye candy. This sounds like a pretty simplistic story, and maybe simplifying, you know, setting and. Just, you know, this next endeavor for Pixar might be the best way to go. Al Manorino, the most Irish name of all time. What do you? What's your opinions on this? Uh, I want to steal an opinion actually from uh, from Cat, uh, who is uh, our um, unofficial third host. Yeah, unofficial third host. I was going to say like like resident guest. I don't know if that makes any sense. But she she basically said that like uh, like she's totally in for a call me by your name Pixar movie. <laughs> and like, that's very true. I mean, it would be amazing if that were true because the the description is very vague. But it says um, it's a, a the beauty and charm of the Italian seaside. Our film will, will feature an unforgettable summer adventure that will fundamentally change Luca. So I don't know if they're going to dive into, you know, potentially a homosexual relationship, uh, which would be great uh, that they started doing that. I mean, um, I know Pixar has, uh, and Disney have done some shorts that are on Disney plus, And one of them yeah. was uh, about um, was like about, a same sex couple about coming out. Um, coming out yeah yeah and i i don't know if that was the name of it but it was so good it was I think so it's called good. Is, is it called out i think it might be called out double check but anyway i think that'd be really great um i think pixar is always is is consistently great they've they've had rare flops in terms of critical and or financial films uh it's um, called out that's correct yeah it was yeah. very good it's like a five minute film i don't know anthony have you seen that one yeah yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's about um, a, a guy who wants to come out to his parents, and then he swaps bodies with his dog, and they're, they're doing all these things to prevent, you know, you know, spilling the secret, and it eventually, you know, obviously, does yeah. not ruining anything. You could tell by the poster of the film, uh, but yeah, really a, a classic Pixar, almost on like watercolor, almost like kind of pastel type like animation. It's pretty cool. I think. 
I think Onward Very cool, was, by the way. Yeah. I think Onward was good. I don't think it was like like peak Pixar, but I no. feel like Soul I think Soul really looked like it could have been like the next Inside Out because yeah. it kind of is like a spiritual sequel to it. Kind of literally like, it looks, looks like, like Inside Out. Literally looks like it too. And this, the reason that I'm very interested in this by just the photo, it looks very like 2000s like anime. Like, yeah. like Cartoon Network, like, you know, One Piece and like that, like style, like very, very like, I don't know, like, hyper and 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 fluid like i really think that this is a uh a, again a, pixar is always cool at like shifting gears and, and going different directions and i think i think this might be you know on par with something like i said like inside out or um uh i just rewatched i could have put this on the watch list i just rewatched for like the first time in like a decade wally oh, and that movie so is good. is so good and you have That's to remember that that movie wasn't just nominated for best animated feature that year. That was nominated for best picture. Like Pixar was, and it can still make movies that sh- like really just, you know, can blow up an Oscar season. And that because- was a very risky movie. Remember that? Like when that came out, everyone's like, there's no dialogue in this for yeah. like the vast majority of the Hour. film. You yeah, know, and then people were like, ooh, hour. do I want to go see it? And then when people saw it, they're like, oh, God, this is wonderful. Yeah. So I'd love to see. I would love to see them, A, I mean, they don't have to explore what I, you know, the, the joke that Kat said or, or, or that I said. But they can. Like, I feel like we're in a position where they, they have more free reign to, to try different things like this. It's a lot of money. And, you know, there's a, a small group of parents that will get upset. But I think I think there's going to be a giant group of the world that's going to be very happy that you're exploring something like that. And I think they should. I 100 percent agree. I mean, they've hinted around it at times. It's just stop hinting around it. Just do it. You know, I think, and I think it would be, and, and Pixar, like you guys said, both said, like, have this way of telling a story that very few, not just animated studios, but very few studios and creative groups can do, um, that are both very entertaining, highly rewatchable, and yet highly emotional and have messages to them. That's very hard to pull off, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I'm looking at this one picture now. You said it was an anime, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I can see that. But also has like, like kind of Anthony, what you're saying, like this feeling of Pinocchio, like this feeling of antiquity to it, like it's just ripped out of a page of history because it's such a lush, gorgeous, simple yet complex still we're seeing of just two boys jumping off, like a or two characters I should say jumping off a cliff in this pristine, beautiful summer day, and it just it's gorgeous. And I remember La Luna. It, which, if you remember, is like the the father and the son. They were catching stars and they were like cleaning stuff up. It was like this beautifully done short, and Pixar is always known for their great shorts. But this was that one. I always remember just like kind of like this feeling of just like this throwback to a simpler time of life and animation, even though it's so rich and complex. And so it's great. So I'm very excited that this is the creative team that's behind this film because. The reason I brought up, you know, hey, you know, is Pixar taking a hit? You know, because Incredibles 2 did great money, but how many people are remembering Incredibles 2? How, how much is that in someone's life right now? You know, cars and, and planes. So, like, yeah, those are, like, good kids' films that they could, you could put on daycare for 150th time. But is it, like, 
the first Incredibles? Is it like Up or Wally or even Ratatouille? Like these films that stick with kids and you've seen the theme parks for generations and kids still watching these films. I don't think that answer is yes. So I think with Soul and this, this could be a nice real one-two punch return to form for Pixar, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm there. Uh, well, I mean, we haven't seen a trailer. We're all based, We're all gushing over literally a still and a paragraph. I mean, and that's for that to happen is pretty incredible. Anthony, you uh, you uh, you look like you want to. Yeah, no, you guys, you know what? Definitely, I, I'll be sure to check out. You know, I, I think I haven't seen a Pixar film since Inside Out. So, how many films am I missing out on? Well, at this I, point, oh, Coco. I which Coco I haven't seen Pixar. that. I haven't seen. Coco. I haven't seen Coco either. Toy Story Four. Oh, I take that back. Yeah, I definitely saw that. Was really Toy good. Story Four uh, onward. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's on Disney Plus. It's a fun romp. Uh, I'll say. Yeah. On whatever was like the first film, we might have talked about that on the last episode. Probably because it was right because around they, that time when they dropped it. That um, was when it, exactly. They, they decided to. I think just released it through Disney Plus. But you know what, man? In terms of, I agree with everything you guys mentioned. In terms of like maybe, you know, if they, if they decide to go with like a same-sex couple, or if they, you know, if whatever avenue they choose if it's like a coming out like moment or anything like that dude yeah pixar i feel like it's always kind of redefined at least since like the 90s you know different themes and different you know positive messages and all that so well just 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 to confirm after inside out was the good dinosaur finding dory uh cars three coco incredibles 2 toy story 4 then onward. So they, yeah, right after Inside Coco. Out. What? Yeah, I haven't seen Coco, but I oh my seen, god, I've only seen I know, Toy Story Four, man. Guys, I've I know. Been, I might change that. I Coco. Coco was the last. All right, so I don't remember before that, but Coco made me cry, like straight up tears. Like I actually cried. Okay, so gotta, we're gonna upset. end the podcast on this one for for Pixar yeah. films. Which film? of the Pixar films made you cry the hardest. Coco. It's Coco. It was, I would say Toy Story 3, but I, I yeah. got sentimental and, and, and teary. Mm-hmm. Coco made me like physically upset. Like so, like I was like distraught. You have to see this movie. <laughs> I know now it's that not you say it, I'm like, oh, it's the worst pitch, but the best pitch. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Toy it's Story so- 3, man. Thank God I saw that in 3D, man. Straight up. Because your tears were in 3D. Like, yo, dude, I was with two of my best friends, and I was like, yo, man. I was like this. But I looked over, and I'm like, yo, they're both like crying, too. But I was like, Jesus Christ, man. It only took like 15 minutes for the tears to start like falling in that film. Uh, I, mean, I was thinking like, he- like closer to the end, I'd be bawling. But anyway. So I think like... I, I watched... Well, I watched that... <laughs> All right, my bad. All right, that's embarrassing, and that's not embarrassing. But I, I, the last time I watched that film, I was watching it with an ex girlfriend. She barely cried. I'm fucking like falling my head. Oh, dude, I mean, my wife, my wife, yeah, my wife like, won't cry at most. Fuck, I mean, you'll see me like uh, wiping it. Nothing wrong with crying in movies, man. Um, yeah, I, I was bawling though. Like I was oh. like bawling like uncontrolled, and uh, she kept her cool. And I'll see you, man. I don't know how I pulled that off. 
I uh, oh. I know I I mean I mean a movie I bawled at the, I, I don't think I bawled at uh, a Pixar movie but the movie I did bawl at was Big Fish that definitely the end of that holy Jesus Christ that was I was with like it was like a girl I was dating in college who didn't even want me to look at her because she was crying so much and three of my closest friends and we were just like just fucking <laughs> tears everywhere but um, I think for Pixar man it's like two different it's like up the beginning of up especially if you are trying to have a child and having difficulty like my wife and I did like it's just like fuck just kill me it's so bad like and that's the one and I can say it because she's admitted this before that's the one movie my wife has ever cried at that was in the 13 years we've been together one movie and I was weeping watching that and then I think um Al I don't know maybe if you rewatch now do you have a kid like inside out when you see the growing up a bit it gets you a little bit. It gets you a little bit. And for me, because I have a girl, like, it's just like I was, like, watching it towards the end. And I was like, oh, this is growing up, guys. Fuck. And I also wasn't sleeping a lot at that time because she, she was just bored. So I was like, fuck, this is so But I think, well, you know, non-delirium, I think it was probably the first 15 minutes of up for sure. Well, so on that note of where we've cried. Yeah, man, we're crying hey, our listen. way out of here. Listen, right. ain't nothing wrong with crying. Uh, real men cry and admit it. Um, totally. let, let's 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 plug some stuff. Um, Anthony, uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, and what do you got coming up on the site? So on Twitter, you can follow me at Anthony M Toto T R T O, and on Instagram, you can follow me at Anthony Writes Music. And I've been working on a novel. I mean, that's like something I've been like kind of diving into. Uh, I could say for now, it's, it's definitely like rooted in realism. So it's music. Yeah, I'll definitely be like picking your brain in like the oncoming weeks to further kind of get along. But yeah, well, there'll definitely be another story. In the meantime, man, you know, if we're talking about like Pixar, you know, like the Sandlot is like a fabric of American sports, American culture. You know, check out the interview I, uh, I I did with Patrick Brenner. You know, it's just a cool conversation about, like, what he's been up to. You know, with the quarantine, there's been, like, he hosted a Sandlot reunion with Justin Turner from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, yeah, man, it, it, it was a fun conversation. We talked about the World Series. We talked about, like, what's, like, coming up with baseball and basketball. And he's a cool guy, man. We talked about... Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. So, yeah, check it out. If you like sports, if you like the Sandlot, I hope you enjoy it. And I'm sure when the Mighty Ducks series ever hits, I will. You will. You will be the first one to <laughs> be reviewing it, my friend. Uh, Gordon Bombay, all day, dude. So, dude, uh, if I uh, yeah. that's on the bucket list, man. Got to interview it with Emilio. Uh, we'll we'll see what we can do, man. So, Mighty Duck man himself. Al, where can people find you? Uh, on the socials, uh, you can follow me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Facebook. Back to you, Bill. Oh, you're not promoting the other stuff because you're not taking any pictures. Correct. All right. So, oh, did I say Facebook? I'm sorry, I meant Instagram, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, no one needs to follow my Facebook. Uh, no, only me because that's where we talk every day. 
Exactly. So yeah. So again, at Bodkin writes W R I T E S. Uh, mostly just talking about wrestling and some social issues. Um, and uh, check out thepopbreak.com every single day. We've got tons of stuff on TV and movies, and yes, even music and comic books and pro wrestling. Uh, we are at popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter, uh, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, and uh, we are at the popbreak on Instagram. So, for Al Manorino, for Anthony Toto, Spill Bodkin, thank you for joining us for the 20th episode of the Socially Distant.